Euronet Plus Panorama is a weekly review of European news broadcast by our network of EU radio stations. Welcome to Euronet Plus Panorama. Monday the 9th of May was Europe Day in many EU member states and Victory Day in others. It offered a moment of reflection for radio stations across the Euronet Plus network and marked the beginning of the next phase in the Conference on the Future of Europe process. Spain's Prime Minister, Pedro Sánchez, defended common European values such as equality, democracy, the rule of law and peace at a Spanish event to mark Europe Day. In a reference to the war in Ukraine, Sánchez stressed that Europe has united in the face of the greatest humanitarian crisis since World War II, adding that if Putin, with this war, intended to divide us, he achieved exactly the opposite. The Spanish Premier did, though, urge member states not to be complacent, says Esradio Castilla y León. Europe's enemies are not only outside our borders, they can also be found within our borders. The ultra-nationalism that seeks to weaken Europe is a real and serious threat that we must face, so we should not be naive. The result of the elections in France, a country that is so important for European construction and so close to Spain, should alert us to the growth of ultra-nationalism and divisive rhetoric and the real possibility that it will come to power in several member states. Meanwhile, several European countries in Central and Eastern Europe celebrate Victory Day on the 9th of May, which is also how the date is marked in Russia. While the day passed without major incident in the Baltic states, tensions flared up in Poland and Bulgaria. During a Victory Day protest at the Soviet military cemetery in Warsaw, pro-Ukraine protesters prevented Russian ambassador Sergei Andreev from laying flowers at the memorial and doused him in red liquid. Police intervened to secure the ambassador's swift and safe departure. Government spokesperson Peter Muller said that the Polish authorities had warned the Russian ambassador against attending the event, a warning that he chose to ignore, as Polsky Radio reports. Of course, we would like all demonstrations held in Poland to be peaceful. That would be for the best. However, I do understand the emotions that have arisen today when we see children being murdered in Ukraine, families being murdered, the crime of genocide that has been carried out there. Such emotions may arise. As I say, the Russian embassy received clear information earlier that this visit posed certain risks. However, let us also remember that the ambassador's safe departure was secured without delay to prevent even more far-reaching consequences. Slovenia's president, Borut Pahor, said that Victory Day and Europe Day are actually more interconnected than one might think. In his keynote Victory Day address, he pointed out that 77 years ago, Slovenia played its part in safeguarding European values. RTV Slovenia reports. It is right that on Victory Day we remind everyone, especially our children, and hopefully they will remind their children in turn, that at a time when humanity reached its moral low point in the middle of the last century, during the Second World War, we Slovenes were on the right side of history with the partisan movement. In a conversation with Kuku Radio, MEP and former Estonian Foreign Minister Omas Part said that there is never likely to be a time when Europe is not facing one crisis or another, 
but that this does not mean to say that it has failed in its remit. There are so-called crises all the time. It seems like it couldn't get any worse. And then a few years go by and there's another crisis that seems worse still. Thinking back over the last few years, we have had a refugee crisis, a COVID crisis, a financial crisis, and now a security crisis. So one crisis has evolved into the next. But what is important here is the European Union and any such structured international network should at least make it more difficult for any such crisis to develop into a disaster, either now or in the future. Perhaps it reduces the likelihood of something going really wrong because of a few mistakes. This is why it's still appropriate to say that the EU has fulfilled the main purpose for which it was created, because no EU member states are at war with each other. At an event in the European Parliament to mark both Europe Day and the end of the Conference on the Future of Europe, a series of EU-wide talks designed to bring Brussels policymaking closer to citizens, newly re-elected French President Emmanuel Macron proposed a new wider political union of European states sharing the same values. His idea stems from a desire to strengthen ties with third countries, notably Ukraine. Renew Europe member Iskra Mihailova tells Bulgarian National Radio that Macron's proposal is very timely. Macron's speech meets the expectations of European citizens. It comes right at the moment when we are faced by Ukraine's desire to join the EU and the inability of the EU to make this process faster, as requested by Ukraine. The inability of the current treaties to speed up the process and to bring on board countries, including Ukraine, but not limited to Ukraine. We are talking about the countries of the Eastern Partnership and the countries of the Western Balkans, which have long been waiting for a solution from the EU. German Chancellor Olaf Scholz was more muted in his support for the idea, says our German member station AMS, underlining how important it was for the bloc to keep its existing promises. We also want to send an important signal to the countries of the Western Balkans. We stand by our accession promises. The blockades that still exist must be overcome in terms of European responsibility and in terms of geostrategic reason. And we agree that Ukraine belongs to the European family. And the processes have now been set out. The EU is processing the proposed applications and the Commission will soon present its assessment. Over the past year, citizens and politicians have come up with 49 detailed proposals for change as part of the Conference on the Future of Europe. These range from strengthening the health system and boosting European autonomy in strategic sectors such as agriculture, technology and energy, to safeguarding the rule of law, combating misinformation and improving cyber security. The common thread running through the conference proposals is the need for Europe to be able to respond more quickly and effectively to challenges, says Latvia's radio. Yet a number of countries are unhappy with any suggestion that the EU treaties should be amended as well as with what is perceived in some quarters as an attempt to increase the Parliament's influence. The European Conservatives and Reformists, a right-wing group, insisted that the whole process was biased and walked out of Monday's event.
Latvian MEP Datse Melbada explains. It must be acknowledged that the architects of Europe's future were people who tend to support European federalism. They were not able to maintain political neutrality and, in my opinion, did not treat people with a completely different vision of the future of the EU equally. We saw attempts to discriminate against those people. With the need for unanimity causing a bureaucratic bottleneck in many areas, there is a certain logic to moving towards qualified majority voting where possible. In practice, a qualified majority is when 15 of the 27 member states votes in favour of something as long as together they represent more than 65% of the EU's 450 million citizens. But 13 EU countries, including Bulgaria, Estonia, Lithuania, Latvia, Poland, Romania and Slovenia, have this week put their name to a so-called non-paper, explicitly warning against pushing ahead with changes to the treaties. Gaspar Dujan, State Secretary at Slovenia's Foreign Ministry and a member of the Conference Committee, says that Slovenia is certainly not shying away from brave decisions or rejecting the possibility of a move towards qualified majorities. However, he believes that there is still a place for consensus decision-making. Consensus makes it harder to make decisions, but also allows all the arguments, including everyone's concerns, to be heard. After a year spent gathering ideas and suggestions, Chancellor Scholz wants to get to work. But he, too, does not see any need to rush through radical changes. We want to quickly take up the good ideas that came from the citizens in this conference in order to make the EU stronger, more sovereign and more efficient. Greater efficiency can also be achieved in Europe, in many cases without having to go straight to treaty changes. For example, majority decisions are possible in many more policy areas than is the case today. In this respect, progress is possible. The basis we have here provides a very important driving force for bringing this about, and we will get things started. Yet Luxembourgish MEP Mark Angel is convinced that treaty changes are absolutely required, not only to make decision-making procedures less cumbersome, but also to widen the EU's sphere of competency. He asserts in an interview with Luxembourg's national broadcaster 100.7 that EU citizens clearly asked for this during the conference process. Citizens want Europe to go further. They want Europe to be more social, a Europe with more competences in health, especially after COVID. They also ask for a Europe with more competences when it comes to energy supplies. All of this is only possible with treaty changes. 100.7 also spoke to Martin Leclerc a 25-year-old student who was one of a handful of Luxembourgish citizens selected to participate in a European citizens panel. She is pleased to see all the important points discussed during the debates among the conference conclusions. But what will happen now, she wonders. First of all, I hope that our proposals will be taken seriously, that politicians take note of our wishes and see which ones can actually be implemented. I know this will not be possible for all of the ideas since the EU does not have competences in all of these areas. But I do hope that our ideas are being taken seriously, acknowledging how many people worked on them and really considering what can be put into practice. Karl Heinz Lambertz the former president of the European Committee of the Regions, also contributed to the conference discussions. He tells Belgium's RTBF that citizens' involvement must not end here. Now, this proposal must be translated into reality. 
What will come of all this? The parliament has already been very courageous. It has already taken some decisions this week. The commission wants to do as much as possible to implement all of the proposals within its current means of operating. So everyone is watching the council carefully. What will it say? We will see how things come to fruition as the days, weeks and, unfortunately, also months go by. Because in Europe time flies, and we must continue to provide feedback, we must continue to talk to citizens. We can't send them packing now. No, in a few months' time, we have to go back to see them and to say this is what we did, what we didn't do, why and how. I believe there is room in Europe for a permanent dialogue with citizens. The European Commission has committed to coming back to the public in six months' time with a progress update. That's all for now. Do come back next week for more news from around the Euronet Plus network.